0: Hi, and welcome to Is It My ADHD? The podcast about what it really feels like to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I'm Grace Timothy, and I'm a writer, and I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was 37. I'd struggled with traits I now know to be ADHD all my life, but it wasn't until a routine hearing appointment with a doctor who happened to have ADHD himself that these traits were pieced together, and it was suggested that I get referred for an assessment. Had it not been for that random moment with an audiologist, I'd still be undiagnosed now and still struggling, just like the two million women thought to have undiagnosed ADHD in the UK today. I want to better understand what ADHD feels like for women and non-binary people, in whom ADHD is so often missed, thanks to the fact that the diagnostic criteria and research is all heavily skewed to the white male case study. I've therefore spoken to some incredible women about how ADHD affects their lives, Exploring everything from friendship and work to dating and self-esteem. I've also pulled in some experts along the way to help us tackle the big questions from you and from my guests. Is it my ADHD when I ghost old friends, for example? Is it my ADHD when I break the photocopier at work? And is it my ADHD when I share nudes on Instagram? My hope is that we can spread awareness of ADHD in women and non-binary people and that you'll find some comfort in knowing you're far from being alone because with the right support, we can be truly amazing. So when I first got my diagnosis, friendship was the one area I really grieved when going through the process. It was like holding up a mirror to how I've behaved in so many friendships, which was really hard to accept. And then just there was this sense of loss because my behaviours had meant I'd missed out on a lot of social things and long-term closeness with people. What I learned is that friendships can be addled by several of the traits common in ADHD. The missing of social cues, rejection sensitivity disorder, a sense of overwhelm that can see you retreat quickly from people, the abruptness and lack of filter, the mood swings, impulsive behaviours, hyperactivity. There's a lot for you to contend with but there's a lot for a friend to manage or forgive. Then there's the most shameful aspect to me, boredom. People with ADHD can just bore of someone. And just as we've already discussed here, boredom knocks us for six. If we're understimulated, we're basically asleep. I've carried that guilt for many years over not being the best of friends. I so often say the wrong thing or struggle to let things go, or I just disappear for a bit when I'm overwhelmed or hyper-focused on something else. On the other hand, when I love people, I love hard. Maybe because I've historically felt uncomfortable and unsure around the majority of people. And so a connection with someone is a doubly precious thing. I'm all in. And that, of course, has its own issues. Then there's the challenge of making new friends when you're either a massive oversharer or incredibly shy and tongue-tied, depending on the day. Kate Everall started the Lesbian Mums blog with her wife Sharon in 2012 to document the journey to the conception of their little boy. Kate and Sharon's blog has changed the game in terms of usualising two mum families as they continue their lives and travels with little T. Kate is currently exploring her own neurodiversity and is in the process of seeking an ADHD diagnosis. I first came across her work via the Feeling Myself podcast and did that typical ADHD thing of going, oh my God, oh my God, me too, me too, every time she mentioned anything to do with her ADHD we've both struggled with the social relationship side of it and so i'm thrilled to have her here today to hash it out why is it so hard to be a good friend when you have adhd or you know am i just a bit of an arsehole it's a valid question kate welcome to is it my adhd hi thank you for having me i absolutely loved listening to that
1: segment I appreciate your listeners probably won't have video, but I'm just sitting there, my eyebrows raised and just nodding and doing the similar, oh my God, me too, me too, me too. That was a lot of unpacking there.
0: Oh, good. well, I feel like, yeah, every time I speak to anyone on this platform at the moment, it is like we're both unpacking, you know, even if you've got a formal diagnosis and you've had that time with a psychiatrist, you step away from that, you know, maybe it's an hour or two hours and you're just full of questions, right? So you're like... Was Is that why I did that? Is that why I did that? You know, it's a it, constant unpacking. And I don't know if you went have been through this yet, but like, is it my personality or is it a symptom? Yeah, I'm totally. Am I an arsehole or is this the ADHD?
1: And it's just trying to find that balance between not excusing all arsehole behaviour, but also being kind to yourself to go, actually, the reason why you reacted to that is because the television on, the radio's on, the wash machine's on, so you're getting overstimulated, and then your six-year-old comes up to you asking what this thing is on their finger, so you then, especially with me... Because I have like an added bonus of OCD as well. If my kid comes running up to me with something brown on their finger, I'm equally going to get triggered and be like, oh, my God. So it's just, it's a lot. So it's just it's a double edged sword. It's helpful to know what is yeah. triggering you or why you may be behaving like that. But then it's now an added, well, is it that or is it that sort of thing?
0: Mm, I suppose it's about it's being mindful of Potential triggers as well, isn't it? And sometimes they're just so unexpected and from left field. So, where are you at in your journey? Mm. So, I don't know. I think, in
1: the sense of diagnosis, and again, that's a bit of a double edged sword. So, whilst like any other part of your identity, you shouldn't have to rely on a professional to tell you who you are, but then at the same time, it then gives you access to things like medication and different therapies and things like that. So, it's a bit of I know who I am. And based on other people's experiences and well, you don't want to self-diagnose in the sense that you don't want to be like, I used to get really frustrated when people used to say I'm a little bit OCD. So I don't want to be sort of part of like that, but at the same time where I have met loads of different people during COVID sort of lockdown periods who are going through the same thing as me, I've sort of found a community in that, Oh my God, this is why I'm doing this. And the more I read about it, the more sure I am of what I know. So Going back to your question, in the terms of diagnosis, I'm obviously in the early stages, I'm I'm still going through the sort of waiting list to get diagnosed. Um, I've not really got an opportunity to sort of go private at the moment. So I'm very much waiting for the NHS to get back to me. However, when I was going through CBT for my OCD, my therapist was really kind in that she sort of not went off the record but sort of explored that avenue and sort of gave me some advice and help and was very much like wink wink nudge nudge you really should be getting this sort of diagnosis if you get a minute so it was really helpful because it was whilst it wasn't an official diagnosis it was something that allowed me to open those doors and explore that sort of part of my neurodiversity which was which was a reassurance because I didn't because my whole life I just felt like I was a bit of a prick. So I
0: mean I think the thing is it's not about diagnosis at all is it it's about like you finding your answers to the questions that you have and and as you say if you want access to meds and stuff then you know that is the path you're going to have to follow but I think it's amazing that you have like already kind of identified so many of those things for yourself and I suppose really when you look back on friendships and stuff is that one of the things that you feel has steered you the ADHD yes so
1: friendships was a massive thing I'm not great at retaining friendships and I think part of if you then read into ADHD a lot of it is to do with like out of sight out of mind so I'm really good at dealing with grief for the same reason which sounds really morbid but once it's out of sight it's very much out of mind and so with friendships unless I maintain them because I see that person on the school run or they're a regular part of my life for whatever reason I generally just forget sometimes it is but sometimes most of the time it isn't intentional it's because I haven't physically had a reason to communicate with that person or haven't seen them in person or even see them on Instagram and I just then forget to check in and sometimes I do it my own family if I might not have spoken to my sister for six months sometimes and that's not intentional it's just that I've physically forgotten or I've hyper focused on something else and there's only so much room I have in my brain to remember all these different things so friendships have been really hard to maintain for that reason and also I imagine some people have distanced themselves from me because how not erratic but how different I can be sometimes depending on my own if it's a good day or a bad day and how, you know, I can be too much. There's all these different factors that are happening, but I haven't recognised until recently. And it's it's been a lot because you think about you know, even when you're a kid, oh, did I do that because of that? And did I react to that person because I was overstimulated that day? And then you have a pang of regret for all these things. You almost want to go through your phone book and just go apologising to all these different people for how you
0: reacted that day because of potentially your ADHD. I completely get that. I'm in the process. If I had an address book, that's what I would be doing. (laughs) I think also it's, I don't know if you've had individual incidents with people. Like I'm not a confrontational person. I just don't have it in me to be. So I wouldn't say that I argue with people or am argumentative. However, there's been a few times where now I look back and think I was overstimulated. I was sort of pushed in in a certain direction, not necessarily by someone else, but by probably myself. And so I would go being, you know, fairly level to suddenly just snapping. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. And obviously that's a huge issue. Like I don't want other people to experience that, but I've definitely, I'd say there's about three or four times in my life where it's all just come to a to a head and I've just shouted at someone or screamed at them or, you know, have you experienced like, I suppose like a self-sabotaging when you don't want to be that way, but it's just happening?
1: Oh God, yes, absolutely. And I have like the added bonus that I'm a Taurus as well. So that doesn't help the fact that I'm, <laughs> that I'm quite bullheaded and stubborn. But yeah, I've definitely had arguments over silly things like just rules like I'm a stickler for rules and if there's any form of sort of injustice that I feel aggrieved by if people are you know perpetrators of that I feel really aggrieved and I will snap at people or I'll be quite blunt with my response to them and again because I try and avoid talking in person sometimes because as you'll probably witness I go off on all these different tangents and so I can't often make the point that I want to make I type a lot more but then people obviously read things differently to how I've typed them or perceived in my head so there's often a massive communication barrier between myself and other people regardless of whether they're neurotypical or neurodiverse communication is a massive barrier I still have because I struggle making simply making the point I want to make and it can be about anything whether I'm talking about gender and sexuality to what I'm making from a dinner and it's just really
0: frustrating and tiring and exhausting. That's really interesting though because one of your strengths like obviously I've been kind of following your work is that you do that stuff so well but then I guess I'm reading quite a lot of your work rather than you know engaging face to face. Is that something that you think that you found as a coping mechanism then to not being able to necessarily articulate yourself in person but... You know, your writing is on point. Oh, thank you.
1: Mainly because I've generally drafted that and I've rewritten it about 10 times and I've written it and then rewritten that and then put the right comma in then removed a the comma there and changed all these different things. So what you read is generally how I'm speaking, but I've just taken the time to be able to, to do that. So yeah, whereas if I've put on the spot or I haven't really planned what I wanted to say, um, it's all a bit of a jumble. And it is completely self-sabotage. That's such a good term because even when I'm at work, I'll be answering a question and my brain, like a little voice, and it's not a voice, but it's just like a, say that. And it's just, I'll say that. And then I'll just go through these different, for people who don't have a camera, I'm sort of dancing around different things at the moment. I'm sort of going around different like blockades, uh, trying to sort of manoeuvre around this, this conversation and, I don't even know whether sometimes I've made the point that I wanted to make, but thankfully I've got a good community around me that sort of now understand why I may be talking a certain way, whether it's erratic or very, you know, lots of pauses in between. So,
0: yeah. So the thing is, though, isn't it, that obviously what I didn't understand about ADHD is that it's a self-regulation, not a self-awareness issue. And so you're so aware that you're doing it, but you just either can't stop or you don't know how to kind of get back on the right path or whatever. Oh, yes. It's so painful, right? It's like that for me is a real problem in terms of meeting new people. How do you approach, you know, if there's a group of people that you haven't spoken to before, but you know you need to get on with it, whether it's professional or social, how do you do it?
1: Okay, like I said, it does depend on the environment. I found the biggest struggle was when I had our son. I made myself go to the mum and baby groups and being... look look, I'd obviously look a bit different anyway, so I already had that sort of barrier. But then when I would meet new people, depending on the person, I'd either be a massive oversharer to sort of feel to make them feel comfortable because I'd wanted to come across as this sort of dorky, kooky, really fun, you know, outgoing person when actually I was just a hot mess and it was just, they didn't really know how to take me because I was then too much. But then if I then sort of kept myself inside myself and tried to be a bit calmer, I would then come across like really frosty with like a resting bitch face and it was just then really awkward on the other end. So I never found that middle ground. So I guess... With new people that I'm meeting, I try and just hold hold myself back a bit, and just take my time with those sort of new relationships. Especially if I wanted to try and maintain them, and then over time try and almost dip into the oh yeah, I have it, you know. Try and mention maybe ADHD to try and talk about that and be an open book. But I didn't. I don't want to use it as an excuse to go if I'm a bit of a prick later on. That's why.
0: But yeah, it's just trying to find a balancing act. <laughs> It is. God, it is like hearing, I mean, I I feel like this a lot of the time when talking about ADHD, but when you hear someone else saying it, it's like, oh, yes, so why can't we just have our own community away from the world where (laughs) it's all fine and we understand each other and it's all good. And you don't get that sweaty palms of like, oh, my God, did I just tell her that I'm on my period? And I've literally, I don't even know her first name yet. Like, what? Why did I do that? And it is, it's, it's wanting to form a connection. And you think that oversharing is the way to do it because it's an intimacy that you want to fast track to, right? So you want to go, when I'm like really close with someone, this is how I talk. So I'll just go straight there. Yeah, be my friend, be my friend. So you just see people go. Yeah, I don't know you exactly, but you want to, you want to fast track
1: it and do it because you want to be i think what you said earlier you, you get bored easily so you don't you want to skip over the boring bits like the etiquette social etiquette and things you want to just go be my friend so let me tell you about my menstrual cycle and things like that and you just sort of rush it because you get bored you or you or you worry suddenly that it's just going to go like you're off you're bored you're, you're you're disengaged you're bored so you think no i want to hold on to this and the going back to your comment about like the community group my my friend she's autistic and she has like a very small group on Facebook, like an autistic mum's group. And sometimes with letters, everything from emails from the school to notes written in like a reading book or even just other things. They go, this says this. Am I meant to read it like this or or am I meant to read it? like What does this mean? And everyone's just so honest. Even when they've messed up, they go, no, that you should have recognised this because this. And I'd love something like that for ADHD parents just to go yeah, so I did this the other day. Can someone please make me feel better about that, please?
0: I'm so excited to announce that this podcast is sponsored by the first makeup brand I ever bought as a teenager, Benefit Cosmetics. I saved up for Benetint for weeks, and that love remained strong when I became a beauty editor years later. Roller Lash is my absolute favourite mascara of all time. Gimme Brow Plus and Precisely My Brow are my go-to brow products and I still use Benefit on the daily. Makeup is something I reach for, to give myself a moment to ground, to breathe and be in my own thoughts for a minute. Just like my own personal form of meditation that happens to help make me feel fierce. Benefit has remained a mainstay in my own routine for more reasons than one i love the way benefit connects customers with amazing causes and today is amplifying various voices around neurodivergence i'll be working with benefit not just on the podcast but they've also asked me to explore how the benefit counter experience can be more accessible to those with brains a bit like mine i'll be sharing the ways we're working together and would love to hear your thoughts on this too i still can't believe i'm launching is it my adhd with my og beauty obsession at the heart I suppose also there's an intersection for you that I don't experience as you come from like the LGBTQ community. You know, how has that played out in terms of maybe before you realised ADHD was at play? You know, did the experiences that you've had with new people and stuff and, and kind of broaching that subject as well, has that interplayed, do you think, with the ADHD? Yeah, 100%. Because again, like people make assumptions about you
1: based on how you look, how you dress, you know, if you say, you know, I'm queer, they assume you're going to act a certain way, because of, you know, societal stereotypes, even just being a woman, people expected me, you know, expect me to act a certain way, so then when I'm then a little bit different from that, they'll try and find a reason why I might be acting like that, so generally people bottle it down to me being LGBT, and so I'm having to sort of go, no, it's not that, I don't, I'm not the way I am, because that's, like that because of my identity this is just me so yeah it's, it's a lot of extra things especially like I said I'm more sort of masculine to quote appearing so people think different things about me that then I'm not sensitive because I'm more masculine I'm therefore not sensitive or things like that and yeah people already made assumptions just by looking at you let alone when they speak to you so it's even worse when I then open my mouth it's even worse than trying to sort of undo any judgment or um, assumptions people have made about you
0: so you're sort of approaching like a new person with the assumptions already locked in your head of like this is what i'm overcoming and then depending on the day it's either like the as you were saying like the door key like hi ha ha." like i'm a laugh a minute which actually do you know what we're bloody good company because of that and if you meet the right person then and you know you're not in a situation where society is trying to quash that then we're a riot right we're really fun
1: yeah, no, we are. And it like it does depend on the person. I can go to some sort of social environments and my social battery can be drained instantly because I'm working so hard to try and fit in or just to not draw too much attention to myself. But then I can be around other people and I almost absorb their energy and I'm just giddy. I then come out just absolutely giddy and high on life. And most of the time it's other people who are either other LGBT people or other people who are neurodiverse, or both. And so if I'm around those sort of people, I just feel so, whilst I'm then calm and feel accepted, I then get really giddy and just like, hee. -hee." So it's quite an experience because you don't know what you're going to get until you walk into that room and be in that environment.
0: I feel like it's now a case of walking in and being like, right, who's got the dopamine? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's like <laughs> yeah. sizing out who's got the drugs or who's got the booze. It's like, who, who's going to help me out here and like keep me stimulated? But I feel real shame about the boredom aspect because I haven't consciously been bored of anyone and then ghosted them. But I know that people have dropped out of my life or I've dropped out of theirs. And now I understand it's about the stimulation stuff. That makes me feel just like a terrible person. You know, is that something that you've experienced? Yeah, 100 percent, especially as, you know, I never had I never went to
1: university, so I don't have that bunch of uni mates. But, you know, you have all these people around you that have still in contact with their primary, secondary school friends. And whilst I'm connected to some people on Facebook, I don't actively seek them out or even comment on their things or even message them to go, hey, how are you? It's just like an out of sight, out of mind thing. And especially if we then have different beliefs or we're in different periods in our life, like certainly when I became a parent, I found a lot of people, well, I found distant themselves from me because I had this new period in my life that was dedicating a lot of my time. So when I then couldn't go out with them, people then stop inviting me. And it's one of those things like, I want to be invited, I'm just not going to come. And that would be really nice if people understood that. It's just to feel included. But I, know I can't have it both ways I don't I shouldn't expect people to sort of invite me knowing that I'm not going to come but it's just feeling included and I guess because as soon as I feel then excluded I then just don't make an effort or I prioritize other things because again I don't have the capacity to prioritize everything all in one go and that's quite stressful and I get really really frustrated especially if it affects your home life if you know Sharon's asked me to do something And I just simply forget. And she says, well, why have you remembered that thing and not something I've asked you to do? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm sorry. And it's just, I
0: can't help it. And I'd love to know why I do that because I'd bloody stop doing it if I knew. I know, I know, completely understand that. I think though, also with the sort of out of sight, out of mind, the social media has change the game a little bit. Like, I'm amazing with my Instagram friends who I've never met. Like, we have an excellent, you know, like, functioning relationship. It's just maybe not a physical one at the moment. God, no way. That sounds like I want to sleep with them. You know what I mean? It's not... There's, like, there's distance there. But I think like I I really miss you know that kind of like massively romanticized idea of I mean it all started with friends didn't it like there's six of you you know everything about each other you know you have these amazing supportive relationships I think I realized through the pandemic that I have sort of either pushed people away or I've stepped back from them and actually we were you know at Ship Creek for a couple of years of just like Whoa, like, where did everyone go? And also that thing of saying no to things so regularly that you just stop getting invited. So I think with ADHD, you've got to deal with that rejection sensitivity disorder, which is like a kick in the the throat, isn't it? Constant. But then also, you know, trying to dial down that sensitive response to it and trying not to... Basically trying to let that go and move on with the next thing. Whereas I just find that if someone... If there's something going on and I'm not included and I feel a bit stupid about it, I can't let it go. Like, how? what do we do? Yeah, it
1: rege- is that rejection. And it, it's it's just trying to pinpoint why you're feeling the way you're feeling. And like I said, the, the whole you know that this romanticized image that society sells you that you're going to have this wonderful like sex in the city friendship group friends like a friendship group is a great example like you're having this this close friendship group where everyone knows your business and you see each other you you know come to each other's houses and well, that's just not realistic whether that's through geography or just capacity like especially if you become a parent or you have a a job where you'll have to be
0: on it all the time you just don't have capacity what well, so you mean sort of that that kind of idea of a friendship group isn't necessarily something that exists for anyone then and then with us it's slightly more difficult
1: uh, yeah it is like i do believe it happens and i think you're very lucky if that happens because i know people i know people do i know people are still ha- best friends with their primary school friend and that's great but i think realistically you have to work at it to maintain that because unless you stay in the same area for the rest of your life, it's just, I don't know, but it's just my opinion. I just don't think it exists the way that society sells you that it exists. I just don't think it happens regularly. I think it's a, it's a rarity and that's okay. I think it's good to be fluid with different friendship groups because of your needs. Sometimes I'll chat to certain people every day for weeks on end and then sometimes we just won't and there'll be no reason why we stop talking. It's just maybe my brain has just gone okay you're not meeting my needs at the moment because of whatever reason and that sounds really selfish but i think with adhd it's very much you have to you're in like survival mode most of the time because you're having to just go through things that are meeting your needs and not overstimulating you so um yeah to get back to your point <laughs> it's, um,
0: no no, that, no it's, that's, just... that's exactly what i wanted to know it's so true and i think we haven't got the capacity and actually something that i've learned about women in particular and non-binary people finding that the demand on them suddenly becomes too much and that's when you find out you got ADHD because the comorbidity will will grow out of that. So whether it's having a kid and suddenly being like, "Christ, I can't, I can't keep up with work now" or whatever, and I think friendships is one of those micro versions of that scenario. I think it's even if it's like you've got too many people, or one of your people is needing you more than anyone else at that time, or you know, going through something. I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because like you say, you want to be mindful of why you're reacting to certain things, but equally, you don't want to use it as an excuse, and you want to be good to your people, don't you? When you're you know. You want to support your friends in the best way you can.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to be a good parent and I want to be a good wife and I want to be all these good things to people and be a good person. But it's really bloody hard when, like I said, your brain, you have to actively switch on a switch to go, we must concentrate on this. Like, I can remember probably everything my son has eaten this week, but I cannot remember. I can't even. I did have breakfast this morning, but I can't remember what I did last week. And I know. Parents will also be experiencing this and they don't have ADHD, but it is sort of 10 times worse when you do have ADHD because your brain will just be, if it doesn't need to remember it, it simply won't. And I don't know why that is and I like I'm still learning like my coping mechanisms to try and remember things routinely I'm having to relearn reteach myself how to remember certain things and sometimes it's part of getting into routine like going to the gym sometimes it's forcing myself to get into into a routine other times something will happen that'll just make me remember it like it's just it's just little things like I plug my phone in at night and when I take it off in the morning Sharon's like can you please turn the plug off and I don't every every morning I will not turn that plug off but as soon as like our son has done something in the morning or there's part of something his routine that needs doing instantly remember and I don't know why that is and obviously part of it is being a parent and you will naturally remember the things that you need to do with your kid but I'm just trying to plug into what has made me remember to do that and not that and why is it why is that happening
0: i think that's why it turns out that pets make excellent friends because (laughs) they're always there but they're also not demanding of you other than feed me house me yeah they're not demanding they're not judgmental they don't make any assumption
1: about you yeah
0: and they're quite reliable other than maybe like unexpected illness or anything like that i think with a friend i would love to have a tick list every day and be like have i spoken to that person have i done this but that's just life doesn't work like that because this person is busy that day doesn't have capacity for you that person really really fucking needs you for something important that's going to take you out of your routine i mean it's just it's an unknowable quantity isn't it and and i think that's the difficulty as well is that sense of if you and i both enjoy our routines and need those routines and boundaries friendship is is a is a chaos isn't it i think in that order oh i love that it is it is
1: an absolute chaos because i said as well as you're combating your own that personal day, have I had enough sleep? Have I drunk enough water? Is it sunny? Have I overwhelmed myself before I've even got downstairs? So when you're then fighting against that and then someone wants to be your friend, you're just like, you sort of almost want to look a little pocket. Where you can just go, just wait a minute there, just wait. Um, but that's not realistic. No one's going to wait for you because they've got, they've got their own shit going on as well. So it's really challenging trying to maintain those friendships. And I found being honest has helped a lot. Telling people I'm having a bad mental health day or I'm overstimulated, has helped. And some people will get it and some people won't. And if some people don't get it, then then perhaps they're not your people. But the right people will understand that. Because years ago, I would just make excuses why I'm a bit frantic. Oh, the dog threw up on the carpet this morning. And it wasn't. It was just because I just wasn't present. I wasn't well. So I think being transparent and more honest with not only myself, but with others has helped a lot.
0: What about, then, if you've got two people with ADHD, like you and me is that chaos or is that like a peaceful sense of connection and and you know acceptance peace definitely peace for me because you you're, you're not on that back foot you you automatically they
1: know you and whilst each person's you know cuz there'll be a massive difference between someone who's perhaps medicated and unmedicated but you're already on that level of understanding um, regardless of where you are on that journey of OK, you'll. I know why you're acting like that and then you're a bit more understanding. Like, again, my, my friend who's autistic, she will just be so blunt with things and ask me a question or it's just really open. Like we'll send each other a message and go, I appreciate what you said, but I don't feel, you know, it's just really black and white. And I freaking love that because you know where you are, even when you can tell when each other have upset each other, it's just a, this black and white It's a a beautiful chaos. It's lovely, but it's good because you you have that understanding and that connection and that community. Yeah, it's lovely when I meet other people who have gone through it or are going going through it like me because it's just like, oh, you, you get it. And it's just like,
0: oh. It's also, I think, isn't it, I I feel like more accepted by my friends who I know have an awareness and maybe a personal struggle with mental health in general, because obviously ADHD is a neurological thing. So it's not necessarily a mental health um, issue. However, it obviously comes with bags of comorbidities. Um, I know you obviously experienced OCD and I did as well back in the day. And I think I think there's just a tolerance that maybe we're not seeing elsewhere in society. Is that something? I mean, I mean, what to do? What to do about that? What to do? What, do?
1: what do you do? I guess, like I said, it is about race being more open about it. And whilst I wouldn't encourage people just to, you know, air their laundry, you should feel you should be able to be remain private and not have to explain yourself. Just like with people with disabilities, they shouldn't have to share their medical information for people to respect and understand and make allowances, making their place more accessible so I shouldn't have to tell someone that I have ADHD for them to go oh that's why you are like that but I think if perhaps more people if they had the capacity if more people did talk about it like you know employers were more open to people being or understanding of people with neurodiversities so yeah I think it's just Okay, I guess it's just like you said, like with everything, like being LGBT, visibility and inclusion matters because it means that it normalises or utilises those sort of different intersections of society, I think. but it's just... And
0: having adaptations maybe a little bit, although I, f- I feel weird about that because I can say to like Natasha, Natasha Bailey of Feeling Myself podcast. <laughs> legend. Um, oh Yeah, absolutely legend. I, I know I can say to her, you know, this is how I'm feeling. Just if, if I don't text or whatever, please just like flag me up. Like I don't expect you to caretake our relationship but like I want to know if I'm fucking up basically and I can say that to her but but then you don't also want to be the burden in any relationship do you where someone feels like they have to work around you but it's just it's another thing isn't it to to be concerned about is the people that you have got in your life and you've hung on to for dear life you know it's I want to know how I can better manage those relationships I guess
1: yeah I'd love to know that as well and that's why talking to other people with ADHD has been helpful because you can go I did this the other day why did I do that and people just already on have a level of understanding where they could go were you overstimulated? Have you had your breakfast today? Have you had too much coffee or not enough coffee? And people are understanding and like absolutely fuck knows how I've maintained my marriage for however many years because I've been an absolute prick for some of them, especially when I was trying for a baby and it was just wasn't working. And it's just, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. And I am just like the luckiest woman alive because, you know, I know it takes two to make a relationship, but I, have, I can tell you now, I've been an absolute prick for some of the years when, you know, we were under quite a lot of stress or I was going through my own sort of mental health issues like anxiety and things like that. But I think I've just obviously clearly found my person who understands me. And like I said, I've held on to her for dear life. (laughs) But then like I said, it's finding those other relationships that I've held on to. And I found actually less is more. Sometimes I found I've maintained better relationships by not trying to have too many relationships. So I've had like, I've got like a couple of people at work. I've got a couple of people um, in my real world and that's fine. And that's fine. And some people can then, other people outside of that can dip in, but I don't put too much pressure on myself to try and maintain that as well, because then I might then lose that. So it's just being realistic with yourself and go, what capacity, like for the same reason, do I have a diary? Do I have capacity to take on this? No, and just, you know, maintain it and just be realistic with yourself.
0: I think that's the message. (laughs) I think That's the note we end on. I think that's the there's optimism and there's hope in that, isn't there? There's, you know, it is it's transparency and mindfulness and looking after yourself. Yeah, just being realistic with yourself. Don't try and meet other
1: people's expectations. Mm. Manage your own expectations and just be honest whilst maintaining the boundaries and things like that. I don't have the answer. I'm still learning myself. But I found in the very short space of time is actually if you just be realistic with yourself and your expectations and understand where you are every every day don't just assume it's going to be okay so
0: we now turn to an expert today it's dr mohammed abdel ghani he is a lead consultant psychiatrist specializing in adult adhd and so i'm so thrilled to have him here today to decipher is it my adhd when i ghost old friends
2: So, yes, not staying in touch with old friends is something that is commonly seen in people living with ADHD. This can happen because of many different reasons. So, it might be done deliberately and it might be done because the person has got a lot on their plates that this will fall down as something not of a high priority. But it also happens that if someone living with ADHD perceives consciously or subconsciously that something is not very stimulating and uh, they might start avoiding doing it. Usually people getting to know new people, forming new friendships this novelty and feeling that something new is happening is quite stimulating for people with ADHD because you are discovering a lot of things about this person, what they like, what they don't like. So it's more stimulating that going through over and over again, the same activities I like to do with my primary school friend or having more or less the same argument repeating itself uh, again. So definitely having new friends is more stimulating for people with ADHD. And this is why we see people with ADHD a lot of them cannot keep friendships for a long time. So ghosting old friends can be part of an ADHD presentation. But of course, as we mentioned before, it can happen because of many other reasons, but it's mainly because of the point of being bored easily, not being very stimulated, and not being organized to keep in touch with this person for a long time. Someone might forget to ring one of their best friends on their birthday, and then they forget to speak to them, let's say, if they are traveling and then they find it very awkward to reconnect again. So sometimes it's done deliberately because the person would like to pursue something more stimulating, but sometimes it just happens because of lack of organisation and not being on top of their game.
0: Thank you so much for joining me and this community of amazing people. We'd love it if you could follow Is It My ADHD wherever you get your podcasts from. And now I'd love to hear from you. What other perspectives would you like to see explored in future episodes? Find me on Instagram at isitmyadhd to continue the conversation.